Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to our wonderful listener. So today in the episode, we are going to talk about sex and sexuality. My guest today is Joanne Michelle. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. I'm I'm excited to talk about this. Um, I think it's really important. I think, you know, people don't realize things change over time in their life and that our sex and sexuality changes. And so let's like, let's talk about it. Yeah, I, I love talking about these things, um, especially sex. I think sex is very much a taboo topic. And considering that I work with a lot of individuals who are dealing with chronic pelvic pain, um, who's one of their primary symptoms really is that they're not able to engage in sexual intercourse, either because it's painful or, um, you know, they just physically can't for whatever reason, um, or there are other things going on, um, psychosocial factors and so on. So I really do love um, working and connecting with with individuals, you know, who are dealing with those issues. because I find that they do need help and we don't have enough resources um, within our, our greater society. Um, Cause again, it's just not something we talk about. Like my grandma always used to say, it's just not good polite table conversation. Right. And, and so there's just not enough info and there's still a lot of kind of embarrassment or like, uh, I often get this uh, a lot too. And I don't know if you find this in your practice, but you know, when people sort of come to us and are talking about their problem They're when they find out, like, they're not the only one, they're like, well, I'm not the only one mm-hmm. with this, you know, like, exactly. I don't know anybody or right. And part of that is obviously we're not talking about it to anybody else, but, you know, we, we kind of don't realize like, you know, there, there are others who are having issues like this as well. We just don't make it mainstream knowledge. Absolutely, absolutely. And and the sad thing about it is, and I know we'll get into that a little bit later, but the sad thing about it is, like I always tell people, it's rarely just ever the symptoms. It's rarely just the fact that you're having a hard time with sex. It's rarely just that there is some pain. There's so many different issues that arise as a result of this, you know, and, and it really can take a toll on an individual's life, you know, on, on their, just their general well-being, and then even their perception of themselves. So it's, it's crucial that I think we do start conversations, um, whether they be uncomfortable or not. I mean, the only way that we can really move forward is to really start challenging um, our own beliefs and narratives and, and trying to create positive and meaningful change. Absolutely. Before we dive uh, deeper in, um, I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about you and your practice. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name again is Dr. Joanne Michelle Martin. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. I'm located in the Atlanta metro area. um, So in the state of Georgia, Um, I have been practicing for over 13 years now. And and my background is 
pretty much in women's health, orthopedics and pediatrics. I was uh, an athlete for many years, you know, growing up high school, um, college, national team, um, you know, big shout out to Barbados, beautiful island. If you haven't been there, please go. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, that was a huge part of me and just being able to work with high level individuals and then individuals who are, you know, they're athletes and they're having pelvic floor issues. And I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, that's a great combination. <laughs> and so I really do enjoy that. Um, my practice is pretty, pretty much focused on pelvic health. Um, I see men, women, and kids with anything to do with bladder, bowels, pelvic pain, sex, pregnancy, postpartum. So pretty much the whole gambit of all things pelvis, anything between the belly button and the knees. Um, and see those, you know, either in person or virtually as well. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, so let's chat about first and foremost, you know, when we talk about sex and sexuality, maybe we can kind of define how you sort of view the two. Are they the same thing? Does one, is one dependent on like, is sexuality dependent on your ability to have sex, et cetera? I figure we should just lay down some of those uh, terminology rules. So when we talk about sex, sex is, sex is um, something that was, you know, terminology that was created to define define, you know, gender, pretty much. So we say, what is the sex of this individual person? And it's pretty much based on genitalia, the assignment given is based on genitalia. We know, however, um, that how people identify themselves may have absolutely nothing to do with their external genitalia. Um, and so then there comes that difference in, okay, so this is the, this is the sex that they were, you know, assigned at birth, so to speak, just from a physiological perspective. Um, and that's really, that, that's really what sex is just kind of in its simplest form. When we talk about sexuality. Now we're talking about a lot more. We're not just talking about, you know, the act of sex, you know, sex in regards to genitals. We're talking about really the biopsychosocial construct of sex. We're talking about the physical, we're talking about the emotional, the mental, um, just how, you know, from how people view themselves, you know, how people embrace themselves as a, as a sexual being, how they see others, how they see a partner. It, it really encompasses, um, you know, just so much more than, you know, an act. It's really, I think the best way to really define it is just it, it encompasses, you know, just simply put in one word, sexuality is the biopsychosocial, you know, being that is, you know, that surrounds all things sex. And including in that, you know, sex isn't just about reproduction as well. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, we have that, you know, we, we, we sort of have it for pleasure. <laughs> right. For yeah. Pleasure. And that there are multiple different ways of seeking that pleasure and enjoying that pleasure. And again, and including it not necessarily having to be penetrative, like yeah. there's, right. So if intercourse we talk, does not equal sex, penetrative intercourse does not equal sex. Yeah. But everybody kind of has this image, like we sort of have this like cultural idea that like in order for sex to be successful, 
it must result in some sort of like penetration. Yeah. And that can hold up a lot of people just Mm -hmm. who have that belief that, well, like I can't have a successful or normal sex life Mm -hmm. if I can't achieve penetration. Right. And then we talk about penetration. That's going to look, you know, just coming from an inclusive model, um, that's going to look different to different people. So, you know, penetrative in the typical sense of the word is penile vaginal penetration. Um, We know that that is not necessarily the case for a lot of people. And penetration could be sex toy vaginal, penetration could be anal, uh, penetration can be different things for different people. Um, The other thing that we we have to be mindful of is then we start to get into like some of the nuances, because then we start breaking up all things sexuality into, okay, let's talk about intimacy, because oftentimes, that's a huge problem when people are, you know, having issues with sexual function, and now they're having to deal with, you know, the the mental effects of that, the physical effects of that, maybe they're in constant pain, or whatever have you, Um, you know, that's going to be the last thing on their mind. And one of the things that is very typical is you're going to have now partner issues. If, if there's not good communication there, now we got an issue because now there's a rift that's going to come because I can't do my job. I cannot function in the way that is intended. So we can't have sex because this is what sex is. Um, and so then we have to get into the concept of things like intimacy, uh, where, you know, we can communicate. We don't have to do that verbally, but we can communicate with touch with our bodies. Um, in a way that is not intrusive, not invasive, but allows one to still feel a sense of being um, and and a sense of pleasure and a sense of arousal and all those things that is not penetrative. That is not the one thing that is, um, you know, most maybe sometimes even traumatic for them. Yeah, for sure. And and thank you for, you know, expanding, right? Because this is, this is the important thing for I guess everybody to understand that, you know, what it's going to look like for you can be so different for some, from somebody else. And what mm-hmm. works for somebody else might not work for you, but it's yeah. being able to open up the conversations to say, okay, well, we're right now you're in the situation where maybe you have pelvic pain and you can't do it sort of the way that you normally did it. And so what are some ways we can explore that connection, right? Um, you know, feeling, you know, because we want to be desired, we want to be wanted, we want to be touched or held, but sometimes people hold back from that because it's like, well, what if it leads to, mm-hmm. and I can't do that. So what if I just avoid everything? Yeah. Right. And, and so that's where the partnering mm-hmm. issues can come in and then never mind what other um, psychosocial factors can, uh, can happen, you know, from there. So it's not mm-hmm. just a physical, like I cannot, you know, have sex the way I wanted to. It has so many other repercussions, yeah. which is why it's important for us to be talking about this. Yeah. And I mean, and then, then you get into the concept of, well, what's normal anyway? You know, what, what are other people doing? Because you, 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 you're not doing anything. You're thinking, oh my God, I'm the only person in the world this is happening to. And I have no idea or concept of what normal is. Because even with regards to normal, healthy sexual function, I think when we talk about these things, we need to speak of it from a healthy perspective, a healthy and respectful perspective. It is a natural 
activity of daily living. You know, we, we consider it an activity of daily living. It is a natural thing. Um, and so we need to be mindful of that and not, not be afraid to broach the, the topic. But for a lot of people, when you start getting into, you know, those situations where, you know, now they're shying away from it, then you, you bring up the issue of, well, what's normal? Because everybody is going to say, well, I'm not normal. Well, what well, there must, yeah, they might, there's something wrong with me or the way that mm -hmm. I'm doing it isn't correct now that I know other people do it this way. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the question I was going to ask. Like, is there a normal, I mean, obviously I'm asking it kind of rhetorically for the two of us who deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis, but really I want to dive into the fact of, you know, I don't know that there is a normal, like I'm, I'm using air quotes, normal way to be sexual and yeah. experience intimacy. It's, it's really uh, an exploration of your values and your partner's values and what, you know, what options are available. So I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's important for us to note that. Yep. And, and I mean, we start that off by saying, first and foremost, normal should be healthy and consensual. And when we say healthy, we're talking about in a way that both partners are in agreement with where they're at. And this doesn't even have to be, I think most people might think that I'm speaking only, you know, with regards to non-married couples when I say that, but even, <clears throat> excuse me, even within um, marriages, you know, because we have to have that sense of, that sense of consent, that sense of, you know, everybody is on the same page and we need to be able to communicate with our partner so that this is an enjoyable experience for both. If we are not on the same page as far as communication goes, um, then we've got a problem. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I was laughing. I think about that and I laugh because I did an interview um, some time back with um, a sex counselor. Um, and she was like, I wish everybody practiced B BDSM. And I was like, why? She said, because they set the best boundaries. Like you already know what's happening. And I was like, well, that's an interesting concept because even in, you know, cisgendered couples or married couples or whatever have you, there can be situations where that's not, you know, a thing. It is, you know, the expectation is mm. pretty biased to one person or the other versus a mutual, um, this is going to be a mutually satisfying so, I mean, when we talk about normal, we talk about a lot of things and there are a lot of things that we have to consider, you know, what, what, what does that look like? What does that communication look like? What is, what does the act look like? What is, what is it that makes you feel good? And the reality of the situation is that's between you and that partner of yours, whomever that may be, because that's going to look different, possibly, even if you had another partner, you very well could. Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, and for the purposes, you know, as we dive deeper into this discussion, right, th there may be things that change with our sex and sexuality, oh, yeah. depending on our current circumstance. So, you know, I wanted to kind of maybe talk a little bit about um, kind of starting at the beginning where, um, you know, okay, this might be a little bit more focused on women and how women are transitioning through through their lives. But, you know, just talking about, um sort of going from virginity to uh, c coming to that first um, intimate experience and then finding out 
that they can't or that it's super painful. And I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what's going on, what might be going on there, right? Because again, that young woman might, well, a woman at any age attempting that type of penetrative intimacy for the first time may experience pain and is going to think, Oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of the, some of the, the, the precursors to that are the red flags that would be, you know, if, you know, especially with younger women who are trying to insert a tampon, if you've inserted that tampon and that's painful, cause it shouldn't be, I mean, a tampon is pretty much the size of your pinky finger. If you've inserted that and it's painful, then, you know, we need to start t- being more aware of what's happening. Um, you know, is there any pain in and around the area outside, even outside of penetration? Um, could you insert a finger vaginally without any discomfort? Um, and then, you know, if you have a, a gynecological exam, has that been painful? There are some women that might have gone through these experiences even before they've attempted penetrative intercourse. Um, and so if first and foremost, if those things are problematic, then that might clue you in already to the fact that intercourse could very well be painful and, and it can be painful for different reasons. So for one, and, you know, as a pelvic floor therapist, you know, what we see is that women have really overly active um, pelvic floor muscles. These muscles are engaged, like, I, you know, great example is if you are, if you have a Charlie horse where your, your muscle just starts to tighten and it just, you know, stays tight, kind of think of the muscles in the pelvic, the pelvic region just tightening. And they're just kind of holding that, that tautness. Well, if they're constantly doing that, now we're going to have a situation where now we're going to get into decreased blood flow, and that's going to take decreased oxygen, that's going to cause a buildup in lactic acid, that's going to cause this pain signal to start to, to develop, we're going to end up with a pain cycle, because that's just going to keep going around and around and around. Um, so all that to say that pelvic floor, overly active pelvic floor muscles can be a culprit for that those muscles can be tightened, you know, just if we've got really, um, sometimes poor strategies, um, if we are, you know, kind of sucking in that belly, there are some people who are doing a lot of heavy training of abdominal muscles. Um, so there could be a lot of reasons why that may be that way. There might've been some trauma, whether, um, physical trauma, motor vehicle accident, um, really bad fall that might've caused, um, some, some issues in the area with regards to the muscles, some of the ligaments, even the bones, you know, broken tailbones, um, usually occur as a result of falls. But if that tailbone breaks, now we've got a problem because the deep layers of your pelvic floor muscles all attach there. And so now that can affect those muscles and that might cause, um, some tension, some pain, discomfort in that area. Um, but then we talk about sexual trauma, has this person been abused? And now we're not only looking at physical, but we're looking again at emotional, psychological trauma. Um, you know, does this person outside of sexual trauma have an issue with anxiety? You know, is, are there mental, mental health components? Um, typically there, there are two things that you would hear, um, when we talk about, in general, when we talk about pain with sex. So dyspnea is, is the general term that we use for painful sex. Um, and that can happen, you know, either, you know, maybe they're, they're having some tightness on initial penetration, it just feels like it's really, really tight. 
Um, or you're finding that with a deeper penetration, there's pain. So with any type of thrusting or anything like that, we're noticing pain or we're having some pain even after intercourse. Um, similarly, there are some women who they, they won't even allow for penetration at all. Like they, you know, even on attempts, it's almost as it's described by a lot of people, the partner will say, I feel like I was hitting a wall or the, you know, the female may say, I feel like he was hitting a wall. I feel like he couldn't enter. Um, and oftentimes that's usually the result of vaginismus. And that's where the, va the, the vagina starts to spasm and bear in mind the vagina is a muscle. Um, so as that starts to spasm, you know, coupled with anxiety, because there is an anxiety component associated with that, there is that restriction of penetration. And so these are some of the things, these are probably two of the most common things. Certainly there are other things that can cause issues with sex um, and penetration for sure. But these are two of the most common things that women will go through um, and, and can cause them to hurt. And, you know, if you attempted to do something, like I tell people all the time, it's, it's, it's when you break it down in its simplest form, nobody wants to be in pain. Nobody wants to hurt. And if you do something that hurts, you likely aren't going to do it again because, you know, that's your body's protective mechanism, right? You're like, well, why would I do it if it hurts me? I'm not doing that. And so that's pretty much what happens. So if every time you've attempted to have sex, it hurts, it, you get to a point where you could mentally, physically, emotionally just shut down because you're like, it, it's not worth it. I'm not doing this. It hurts me. And, and you're done. And so oftentimes this can happen to a lot of those individuals. Absolutely. And, and again, you mentioned some of those early signs, right? And, and, you know, if women aren't asking questions and aren't seeking out, whether through a doctor or, or don't, doesn't know pelvic floor physio, you know, is, is a thing, right? Um, so hence why we're talking about this, um, you know, th this may go on for years and years and, and yeah, it, it, it impacts so many aspects of somebody's uh, somebody's life simply because they want to protect themselves from yeah. something painful and that they don't necessarily know that there's something they could do about it. For sure. For sure. And even, and I, I also want to throw this in there, even women with endometriosis, because I find that a lot of individuals who are suffering with endo are not aware they're in pain. And, and a lot of the time that, you know, it's just like, how are you feeling? I'm in pain, but a lot of them may not attribute their pelvic pain and their pain with intercourse to endo. And usually what's happening is you've got this huge inflammatory response going on. Well, it just doesn't stay in one place. It affects pretty much everything in and around the area. And so now that's also going to lend itself to, to some pelvic pain and pain with intercourse as well. Yeah. And thank you for, for bringing that up. So, so we know that this is something that can, that can occur in that stage. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, um, let's talk about some of the therapeutic approach, maybe before we move to the like sort of next phase of somebody's life, what, what might be some things that, you know, from a physical therapy perspective, um, you know, you commonly do um, in these types of cases? Oh, so a lot of this depends on the individual. It depends on where they're at. One of the, I mean, as a PT, I do a lot of hands-on work. So I'm, I'm going to be assessing these women to see what's going on with the muscles. If, if they are in person, I should say, because I have worked with a lot of clients virtually for the same issue. Um, 
But if they're if they're in person, we're definitely going to look and see what we can do um, from a hands on perspective and not just um, working only in the pelvic region. But I love to look at what's happening in the abdominal region as well. You know, everything in our body flows continuously, especially when we're talking about connective tissue. And, you know, so we really want to make sure that we're looking globally at what's happening. The other thing is, um, I start to utilize tools. So we look at things, simple things like um, pelvic wands, pelvic dilators, um, lubrication, you know, oftentimes women think, Oh, well, if I have to lubricate, I'm less than less of a woman. No, it just means that you need to lubricate. And that can change that can ebb and flow throughout your life, you may have times when you're more lubricated than other times. And, and that's just, you know, the way that's just the cycle of your body. Um, and then it can happen in response to different occurrences, you know, you had a baby, you're going through menopause, you know, maybe some changes around your menstrual cycle or whatever have you. But, you know, lubrication is not a bad thing or external lubrication is not a bad thing. Um, even looking at simple strategies, breathing, relaxation, meditation, mindfulness, you know, I get people to do yoga, I get people to do a lot of stretching and mobility. Um, first and foremost, to kind of take their minds away from you know, just the fact that this, you know, this thing is bad, like, let's not focus on that. If, if you focus on something being bad, it's going to be what it is. But let's focus on all the other stuff, especially all the things that we can make an impact on and the things that we can make a difference on. Um, and then oftentimes we get into with my patients, I like to get into pleasure mapping. So I'm a firm believer in you cannot really expect someone to know what pleases you if you don't know what pleases you. Um, so even looking and, and, and I say that with those who are comfortable, because it's something that I will present to my patients, and certainly not everyone may be comfortable with that. I do work with a lot of conservative um, individuals. So sometimes that's not going to be something but I like to present all the options so that they can make the decision that they feel is best for them but doing pleasure mapping. So looking at just gentle touch, you know, how does this feel? A, can you feel it? Can you not feel it? How does it feel? Is it pleasurable? Is it painful? Is it something that you like or you don't like? Just, just become aware of what things feel like. Um, and then start to look at, okay, for all the areas that were pleasurable, let's go back there. Can you recreate that pleasurable sensation? What feels good to you? What doesn't? The thing with that is, is that you can use this as a tool where someone is doing it on themselves. And then as they get more comfortable with it, bring their partner on board. Um, things like using sex toys. I love to recommend um, vibrators and, you know, sex toys. And I'm like, listen, let's see if you can achieve, you know, orgasm or a, a, what for you would be a good stimulation, something that feels good just by you. Because oftentimes people assume that we can only orgasm, for example, with penile penetration. And the reality is only about 30% of women ever do. So the, the rest of us, <laughs> and I'll include myself in there, like 70% of us were like, no, we need a little bit more than that. You like, you got to work for this, you know? Um, so, you know, looking at clitoral stimulation, again, going back to that touch, going back to that pleasure mapping, what feels good for you? And once that becomes comfortable, once you get comfortable, because there are a lot of people who, you know, they can they couldn't take a handheld mirror and look at their genitals. They're like, no, I can't do it. No, I don't want to. Um, but they're not comfortable with it. 
or they couldn't touch and not touching in a, a sleazy, in a, in a way that's in it. But I mean, you can touch your thigh, you can touch your elbow, you can touch your face, you know, your genitals, your vulva is just another body part. Why can't you touch it? You know? And so even to do that and framing it in that regard, for a lot of people, it's still very difficult. And, and, you know, one of the things I tell them, I said, okay, but if you, you, you own this body, and if it's difficult for you, how then do you feel like you react when it's someone else doing it? And just kind of having them take a, t- a moment to think about what, you know, what they might be doing, what they might not be doing, even subconsciously um, during, you know, any acts of intimacy, touch, sex, you know, anything of the sort. So just kind of creating opportunities for them to, to really think more about what's going on, really to just dive in and not be surface level with it. I have people journal just so that they can get their thoughts on, they can write things down. And then when appropriate, bring the partner in. I usually allow that person to say whether they want the partners to be there or not. But I do love whenever possible to involve the partner in any type of education that I do, because especially if they're going through any type of life changes, the partners may not be aware. They might be like, what's happening? Like, like a few months ago we were doing it and it was great. And now all of a sudden we can't do it. Like what's happening, (laughs) you know? And it's like, okay, but hold on. We've had a life change. Maybe we've had a baby. Maybe we've gone through menopause. Maybe, you know, something has happened. Maybe there's been stress. Um, Something has happened. You know, are you, are you aware of that? Are you mindful of that? Are you mindful of how it has impacted your partner? You know, and just the little things like that, because there's so many things that can play into it. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. You know, first and foremost, you know, looking at that pleasure, if you're comfortable exploring your body, because I also find sometimes, I think maybe more so with my vaginismus cases that they're not really aware of what's down there. Um, And so when I talk about, you know, dilators or um, using like a wand or something, you know, they're, they're really worried about hurting themselves, right? Because they don't really know, you know, they'll say, I don't know where this is supposed to go. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure what it's supposed to feel like. And so again, if they're comfortable, that's sometimes where I start, you know, on educating and being like, okay, like, let's just look at some diagrams, like some, you know, like regular anatomy, nothing, you know, crazy, um, it doesn't even have to like not real life, but just like a diagram of the area and just being like, you know, can you even identify where, where these things are? Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of building from there. Uh, So yeah, it it certainly is going to depend a lot on people's um, comfort levels and, you know, where, where they're at in that journey. But I, but I do think education of the partner is, can be really, really helpful. Um, so that they don't feel like it's them, mm-hmm. right? Um, that they can yeah. understand there there might be a biological process happening that may, of course, is going to be intertwined intertwined with some mental emotional stuff too. But you know, to talk about like here's like here's kind of what's going on, right? Not doing it on purpose, or mm-hmm. you know, um, they want to but they can't because of this, and you know, we're going to work on this. So um, I think that that can certainly be helpful if there's a a, a partner involved in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, even sometimes with a partner, like partners can have issues as a result, you know, like they, let's say that there's, there's not a lot of communication and they now assume that they're not satisfying their partner. And so, because a partner is like, I don't want sex. Don't touch me with a 10 foot pole. 
And now the, you know, the male partner is like, well, what did I do? This is not working. And now that can create some anxiety in him and now cause issues with erectile dysfunction because there is a lot, there's another huge psychosocial component that occurs there. So it is very good to have, I think when appropriate and when possible, yeah, to have the partner in so that we can start to address some of those things and talk about some of those concerns. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of talked about, you know, sort of in the earlier phases, um, you know, or like prior to attempting intimacy. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about a little bit about how sex and sexuality might change after a baby, because uh, here's like another phase where there might be you know, communication lacking or women will feel like, I don't know what's going on, but I just don't feel like it. And, and then the partner's like, I've been waiting, you know, a long time for baby to come. And, and so there could be, you know, some new or variety of new issues that come up after a baby. So let's, let's chat about how sex might be different. So my favorite word to use during this time is context before, especially if we're talking a first baby, before you had a baby, you could romp and roll and do as you please and have sex wherever, whenever you wanted, because it was just you and you and hubby. Now you've got a baby. We've got to consider a few things from a physical perspective, you know, even on a vaginal delivery where there's no presumed trauma, we've got to appreciate the fact that we've got a lot of tissues that stretch. So it might not have been traumatic to where, you know, maybe she needed to be sutured. Maybe there's some perineal tearing or any of that stuff, but just appreciate the fact that you've been carrying some, how many ever pounds just kind of hanging out in your pelvis for like nine, 10 months, you know? And I tell people like the average baby is eight pounds, go lift up an eight pound bowling ball. Now, how would you like that to just sit in your pelvis for like 10 months? (laughs) And people are like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, that's what's happening. So as a result, you've got a lot of tissue changes. Tissues are going to stretch. Muscles are going to stretch. Some things may just not feel right. Um, And your body is going to need time to heal. So first and foremost, for any women listening, give yourself some grace. Give yourself some time to heal. It, It doesn't, I mean, for some people, it may be just as soon as they have the baby, they feel like they can rule the world. They can go back to doing everything that they used to. And for others, it may not be that way, but give yourself some grace. Um, Now, if we talk about trauma, then we have to appreciate that with trauma, we might have some tearing. It might've been also a traumatic, you know, emotionally traumatic experience. So we've got to factor that in. Um, Maybe there was some suturing that happened. So now maybe we've got to consider scar tissue. Maybe there was a cesarean. So again, we might have to consider scar tissue. Um, So things like that. So then now you go to have sex and it just may not be comfortable, maybe painful. Maybe the positions you used to like before no longer positions that you like now. Maybe you didn't have sex for nine months as you're carrying this child. And so now you want to do things that you could do nine months ago. And you're like, wait, my body just doesn't contort like that anymore. Like what's happening? (laughs) So, you know, things change. Um, You're not getting any sleep. Mamas are tired. Guys, the last thing that woman wants to hear is I want to have sex with you. She's going to be like, don't touch me. If you are sleepy, you could care less what is happening in the world. And so when they're tired because baby's keeping them up at night, sex is not a priority. You know, similarly, if they're breastfeeding, now the estrogen levels are going to be low. So even if they attempt sex, what they're going to notice is they may be a little drier vaginally. 
Um, this is where I recommend lubrication, lubricate, 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 you know, there is no shame in that. And that usually will take care of it. But for some women, you know, once they start to experience discomfort with that, then they start to get very alarmed. So those are some of the things that can cause some changes. You know, prolapse is another thing, a pelvic organ prolapse, where because of weakness at the vaginal wall, you know, and, and the supporting structures, the, connect, the connective tissues, we don't have as much stability that the muscles aren't holding up the, the pelvic organs the way they used to. And so now there's a little bit more of that pressure, that heaviness, you know, you might try to have sex and feel like there's a barrier, you know, a bulging, uh, you might have pain now with deep thrusting and penetration. So all these things can play a role in just just after one event of having a baby. But I like for people to be mindful. I think everybody's very familiar with the physical changes. I don't think everybody really takes into consideration the little things like sleep and just, you know, communication, because now you've got another person that you've got to deal with. And so now you're, you really need to be communicating well um, and just kind of staying in tune with what each other's, you know, needs are and where you're at and that kind of stuff. And be, be appreciative if your spouse just, doesn't feel like it, just, you know, what else can you do that would make that person happy? What else could you do that could maybe, you know, ease any tension that might be there. And I find personal time too, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you have a baby, it's like, you, you know, you're with that baby, you know, sort of all the time. I, I just think back to my, you know, when I had mine, like if I got the opportunity, like she fell asleep and I had like five minutes to myself, like all I honestly wanted to do is sit and watch a show uninterrupted, you know, mm -hmm. like just like not do sort of anything for anyone because I also need my space and my time as well. Right. And you don't necessarily get that much, you know, and, and so that could be a way a partner could help too, is creating these small opportunities for mom to just like have some alone time and that, that might actually give her some energy for yeah. like later, maybe not always like don't, don't necessarily expect it, but I mean, creating these opportunities where, you know, mom can regenerate a little bit um, bearing that, you know, she's not experiencing any pain um, mm -hmm. that can be really, really helpful too. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I, I always joke. I'm like, don't do things because you want to reward guys. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, 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 cause, cause we know, we know when you do it like that. So just do it because do it because you love us. <laughs> I used to joke with my husband right after we had our, our daughter. And I'm like, I would, I would go up to him and say, I need a hug. And, and if he, if he wanted to get frisky, I'd say, you need to give me at least six non-sexual hugs a day. You, you can't get anything when you hug me, you just have to hug me, stand there and take it. And he would laugh. He was like, really? I get nothing. You get nothing. You yep. get that you get the pleasure of hugging me. That should be enough. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we need we it, it's, it's like we get that little oxytocin boost. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, be wary that, you know, we may have an attitude that comes with it, too. That's like, listen, I just need the hug. That's mm -hmm. all that means. That does not mean all anything <laughs> does not mean anything else. Yeah. Um, and then if it does mean something, you will know. You will know. You will know. You will know. Um, and so obviously, as we talked about, you know, in the first time, like there are things that can be done, you know, if there's pain, 
um, you know, with intercourse, usually starting with lubrication. That's usually a, a one place I, I go to first is like, are you using lubrication? Um, you know, it may seem like you're lubricated, but like, as you're going, mm-hmm. you're not kind of re-lubricating and, you know, then, then you get some chafing and like, that's just not comfortable for anybody yeah. ever. Um, so that's usually like a place I start, but just similarly, I think with what we've talked about with, you know, vaginismus and, and, uh, dyspareunia, I mean, there are things that can be done just cause you had a baby does not mean like, oh, this is just now going to be your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people do think that they're like, well, I've had a baby. So like, this must be normal for it to hurt. And then they just yeah. kind of deal with it. Um, and I'd like to say that you don't have to just deal with it. There's lots of things we can try. Um, mm. Anything different that you might do sort of um, therapeutically, like in, in this particular instance versus, you know, um, vaginismus, Um, I think with, with the, once they've had a baby, I think a lot of the things is just really educating them again, like I said, about context and allowing them to understand that their body is going to need time to heal. Um, for a lot of people, more often than not, time is a really big blessing. And so as long as they're doing that, they usually tend to work out well. Um, but again, lubricating, relaxation, you know, the, the self, um, you know, self myofascial release or, or some, you know, self techniques that, you know, you can be taught by a pelvic physio going to a pelvic physio so that they can do some of this stuff for you. Um, you know, it really just depends on the severity of mom's issues after she's had that baby. But for the most part, you know, just a lot of those same techniques would be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Okay. So we've had a baby and, you know, every day from that point on, seems like it moves at warp speed. Mm-hmm. And then here we are in menopause, you know, what, you know, what, you know, I, I know, right. Like we're talking about like the women's major life events. And I feel mm-hmm. like childbearing and like then transitioning to menopause are like two major physiological events that we're going to, well, not everybody, but experience. I mean, menopause, we're going to experience not everybody has children, but menopause for sure. So what, what kind of changing there? What's happening there? Um, And is it normal to have painful sex? So it it, it can be. So for a lot of women with menopause, and this is one of those situations where I'm like, guys, you really need to talk to somebody. Don't, don't, don't see things happening. Don't see changes happening and not say anything. Um, because your body is changing, your sex hormones are decreasing because your body's basically saying, all right, we've passed the childbearing years, we're just going to shut it down. Um, your body doesn't produce as much estrogen. And estrogen is really critical in um, just the way your tissues are, you know, collagen production, you know, how supple your tissues are, all these different things. So as those levels drop, what you start to notice is something we call atrophy, the tissues start changing. Um, the tissues may start to become um, drier, they may start to become, um, you know, instead of like nice and soft and supple, you may start to have more pain, Um, all these different things, you might have changes in sensation, this is something called genitourinary syndrome of menopause. And there are a lot of other things that may come along with that. But certainly as far as vulvar atrophy, because those those tissues on the outside of the genitals, you know, where you, where your pubic hair is and, and just the area covering um, the, the vaginal opening and the perineum, 
those tissues start to change a lot. You know, they start to get weaker and, and, and tighter sometimes. And, you know, and, and people may be confused by that, but a tight muscle is a weak muscle because if it's really tight, it can't do what it's supposed to do. Um, and so for a lot of these women, you know, and then the other thing is because of the tissue changes, the vaginal wall starts to change as well and the vaginal opening. So you may have some shrinking of the vaginal canal as well as the vaginal opening. So that in and of itself is going to cause some discomfort. Um, oftentimes a solution for that is going to be some sort of estrogen replacement, some sort of, you know, a lot of doctors will do a topical estrogen application. They might do um, the ring which is where they put in a, a vaginal suppository, so to speak, um, that can last for about three months. And, and you know, you can have um, small doses of estrogen being released that way. Um, so those are two pretty common things that they'll do. That should help with those changes. Now, if you start noticing changes, you definitely want to let somebody know. Oftentimes, another thing that can happen is the, the clitoris can pretty much just recede. And to the point where for some people, it just disappears. Um, so if you're not, it's kind of like think of a, a, a use it or lose it concept. If we're not using it, if we're not paying attention to what's happening um, and these changes are going on, we just automatically assume, oh, it's menopause must be normal. Then what's happening is, is that you may continue to have these issues persist. If they're treated and they're treated early, you're fine. You're usually fine. And between going to the physician and having some of that topical estrogen and seeing a pelvic floor physio, most people tend to do really, really well. Um, but those are typically some of the reasons because the estrogen is low, because of those tissue changes, that vaginal canal shortening and tightening, sex just becomes painful. And then, you know, then you add into that people's body image, you know, because as you get into the, you know, on average, menopause happens around age 51. By the time you get into that fifth decade, you know, a lot of people are lamenting about what does my body look like? You know, I wish I had the body of my 30 year old self. So there could be some self esteem, self image issues also going on, and then add that to any type of sexual dysfunction. And then you know, they just they're not interested. Yeah, I like that you sort of mentioned, like, if you start seeing something, talk to somebody, mm -hmm. right? Because we want to be able to do something early um, in hopes that we don't have to work as hard to get, you know, certain things back. So if that vaginal canal and vaginal opening is shrinking, you know, we want to, we want to start working on preventing, uh, preventing that. Right. Um, and, and yeah, there, there may be other psychosocial factors happening as well. Like maybe things going on with their partner. Um, so there may be a variety of different reasons that it might be happening. So talking you know, with your medical providers about it is probably the first best step um, mm -hmm. where we can then take our thorough examination. And if we feel like, you know, you might need some help in some other areas, we can also make referrals as well. Right. So, so I think it's a, it's important to start talking about it. For sure. Yeah. And, and like treatment protocols, as you mentioned, obviously we're not the ones doing the hormonal therapy. Um, but you know, again, dilators and vibrators and, mm -hmm. you know, pleasure touch and, pleasure touch, you yeah. know, a lot all of the same things. Yeah. Pretty much a lot of the same things. And, and again, just kind of, I utilize sex therapists a lot. Um, because I find that especially when it comes to issues dealing with sexual dysfunction, the, you know, we, we, we definitely know with vaginismus that there's a, a, an anxiety component. 
But I feel that with a lot of people who are dealing with sexual dysfunction, especially if they if they've dealt with it for some length of time, I feel like they all end up having some sort of, you know, psychological um, issue surrounding it, you know, where now they, they their self belief, they, they just believe that, you know, things are, you know, horrible, like, you know, I, I can't function the way I'm supposed to their self esteem starts to tank. And there are all these different things that go on that are outside of the physical. But I feel like just addressing those because we want to address the whole person. And so addressing those really can bode well for what we do as pelvic floor physical therapists. Absolutely. Um, and so my other, I guess this is a more kind of fun question, right? Because we're talking about like treating and trying to get people back into, you know, a meaningful, um, you know, sexual, sexual life. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you sometimes talk with couples, you know, about adding some novelty and fun? Do you guys, do you ever Absolutely. have come? Okay. Right. Oh, Cause we got to yeah. make it fun. And some make it fun. And, some, yeah. and sometimes our desire as women, you know, like when it's just kind of the same old, like same place, same positions, mm. you know, it can get a little after a while, a little dry, not mm-hmm. physically dry. Well, that yes, that too. But, you know, we need arousal as well. Um, and sometimes we need novelty. Mm-hmm. We need something different. So what are some things that you might talk with couples about? So again, I will tell people vibrators, 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 especially for women, because there is, so there is some research that does support, um, you know, frequent orgasms are good for your health, mental health, physical health, heart health, all sorts of stuff. But um, so I do encourage them and give them the evidence that see if you have an orgasm, it's good for you. Um, Go get a vibrator. (laughs) So they're research approved. Um, But, you know, adding to that, change position. One of the first conversations I have with anybody who comes to me and they're complaining of pain with sex is what position do you have sex in? What does sex look like for you? Um, Which could be a loaded question because they're like, what does sex look like? Yeah. How do you, how do you do it? I want to know, talk to me, break it down for me. And more often than not, they're a missionary. And I'm like, guys, guys, we have got to spice it up. Like, like we got to do something different. Like, can we start in the bathroom and make our way to the bed? Can we do it in the shower? Can we, can we do it while sitting down? You know, like just change position. And for some people, again, it depends on what age we're coming in at. So maybe from a physical standpoint, you know, I just can't get into those positions like I used to, you know? So then what can we do in those cases? Well, now how about we plan some dates, you know, sometimes getting stuff on the schedule might sound boring. But you can get something on the schedule and then surprise your partner. You know, you can spice it up. You can go someplace. You Maybe there is some place that is meaningful for the two of you. Maybe there is some place that, you know, when you went there, there was a lot of spice. There was a lot of chemistry. There was a lot of connection. Go there. You know, go on a date. Go to, go to the park. Go for a walk. Be out in nature together. I don't know. Maybe you might feel like frisky teenagers and start, you know, going behind a tree. <laughs> do something you know any start doing things that are fun getting dressed up putting yeah. on that that nice dress like give yourself a reason to get dressed up and be like get oh yeah 
you know, start playing around with. And sometimes it might just be, you know, I even will recommend for some people. Um, I'm like, have you ever tried a pole dancing class? And they're like, no. And I'm like, so while some may think it's a little raunchy, pole dancing requires an exorbitant amount of strength. So it's a really good core class, <laughs> if nothing else. But one of the things you find is when you go for a lot, because now a lot of places have popped up these pole classes. Um, and what it is, is just a community of women. And so it's turned into something so much more. Women crave community. And so even in something like that, now you've got a community and, and you get to explore, you get to be like, you know what, I've got this problem, I guarantee you, and somebody in that group can tell you, hey, try this, do this, you know, this happened to me too, you know, um, but community is great, even things like go salsa dancing, go, go, like you said, get dressed up, go get sexy, you know, go dance, you know, get, get your groove on and, and then build that confidence up. It's very, very helpful. Absolutely. And then, you know, you can show your moves. You know, mm -hmm. and have a little fun with that too. Um, but yeah, ch change it, it. You can change it up in so many different different ways. Um, and I, yeah, so I think between you know PT and sex therapy, we, I'm sure some between those two professions, we could probably give you some some ideas, some baseline okay. ideas of where to start. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about your podcast because you have mm -hmm. one as well. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So my podcast is called Fueling Her, A Woman's Guide to Wellness. It's actually co-hosted with a good friend of mine and colleague, um, Dr. Chelsea Durda, who is a chiropractor also in the Atlanta metro region. And on our show, we really, we talk about women's wellness. We talk about things that impact women. Um, so whether it's physical wellness, pelvic health, because I'm slightly biased, um, you know, mental health, um, emotional well-being, business and financial health. And even spirituality and, and spiritual well-being, you know, just talking about that whole all-encompassing theme of wellness and things that we can do to kind of curate that for ourselves, you know, within our communities and so on. So that's that's the goal of our show. And just the other thing is bringing on really amazing, strong women in our community and beyond that, you know, can be a voice for somebody else, you know, there's some female out there who's wanting to do something. And we hope that as our guests come on the show, they can lend that voice to those, those other people, they could be that encouragement for those other people. So it's really just a show to empower others and good content, really good information. We do talk about some really good topics. Um, but it's, again, it's one of those things where we definitely, you know, want to just empower and encourage women. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely include a link in the show notes to, uh, to your podcast to make it easy for accessing. Um, so tell us where people can find you, like if they want to learn more or get in touch or where, where, where are the places they should go? So first of all, the website, www.jamandhealthsolutions.com. Um, I'm on Facebook at jmmhealthsolutions.com. I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash jmmhealthsolutions. And then on Instagram at the pelvic perspective. And so pretty much on any one of those channels, you can find me, you can find information, you can get in contact with me, you can schedule an appointment, all those things. 
Amazing. And we will put all the links uh, in the show notes to make it easy. And you can access the show notes just wherever the podcast description is as well. You can access um, the show notes on our website, which is ecophysio.com, ecophysio.com. We have a, it, you, you can find it under either the blog tab or the podcast tab. Um, and when you open up that episode, all that contact info is there to make it easy. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, having this discussion. Um, I think it's really important. Um, You know, there's so many other things that, you know, we can talk about, but, uh, but just kind of starting that you're not alone. Um, I don't know if normal exists, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's just what's, what's, what does it look like for you and what would you like it to look like? And then like, let's try to bridge the gap. Um, and I think the big thing is reach out for help too. So, for sure. yeah. And don't be afraid. I mean, you know, I feel like as we, as we, as we grow in ourselves and our confidence in our, in our life journey, you know, your sexuality will grow, you know, because that's going to, that's going to change. It's going to morph. It's going to be different things at different times in your life. And so be mindful of that and know it's not something that's stagnant. You know, it's not something that's going to be stagnant and you have the capacity to impact that. So definitely, if and if it's something you need help with, definitely seek out the help of someone who can help you with that. Absolutely. So thank you again. And of course, we always want to thank our listeners for joining um, and, you know, share this out with your girlfriends, right? Like maybe you guys aren't talking about it to each other, so you wouldn't know. So kind of like, hey, guys, like, you know, I saw this great podcast talking about, you know, sex and like sharing it out so you don't have to like call anybody out or make any assumptions. Just be like, hey, girls, like, let's just, you know, let's listen to this. And because um, you never know that you may be actually helping somebody who is feeling like they can't talk about it or maybe they're feeling like they're not normal um, and they're the only one. And, you know, this might just be that little light bulb that's like, OK, you're not alone. And OK, maybe I should go talk to somebody. So share it out, comment, um, let us know if you're liking our episodes um, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Take care for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.